of the sky. Look. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. joining us yet again for another episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and this is the podcast exclusively about comic book animation. Welcome to episode 55. Before we get into this week's topic, I'm going to bring my guest out. Last time he was here, he was on one of our Halloween episodes. He's back yet again. Welcome back to the multiverse, my pal, Mikey Webb. How are we doing today? Good, good. Uh, I didn't realize that um, it's good. Welcome back, first of all. <laughs> Let me start by saying that. I didn't realize that uh, it's been, you were on the Halloween episode last time, so it's been quite a while since you've been on the show. It has been quite a while. That was a great episode, too. That was uh, I enjoyed that one a lot. This week, it's not a holiday episode, but we decided uh, we're going to do, I don't know if uh, maybe you're not necessarily your favorite, but a character that years ago you expressed a lot of admiration and love for, and that's the king of the seven seas, Aquaman. I do. I enjoy myself some Aquaman. I mean, the earth is 70% water, so is there a more powerful superhero on the planet than the man who controls the seven seas well i I suppose that's debatable uh would you say aquaman is uh your favorite superhero and not where does he rank aquaman as currently constituted is not one of my favorite superheroes he'd probably be you know third Third, uh, who's who's one and two? I gotta ask now. Third, I'd go, I'd go Batman, Superman, and then original Aquaman more than the current Aquaman. <laughs> All right, it's hard to believe fifty-five episodes in, and other than my Super Friends episode, we haven't Aquaman hasn't really been the subject of a uh, of any episode. So I'm pretty excited. We got a lot of uh, interesting tidbits about the King of Atlantis. Aquaman created back in 1941 by Paul Norris and Mort Weisinger. First appearance, More Fun Comics, number 73. So he uh, recently actually, uh, just last year, celebrated his 80th birthday. Oh, wow. Crazy to think about it. He ran for quite some time, and he he actually kind of survived the superhero downfall of the late 40s and 50s, where he didn't have his own comic, but he was appearing in uh, backup stories and still appearing fairly regularly in that era, uh, which I believe he was showing up in adventure comics. And then he got his first solo comic in 1962. Well, let me uh, ask you this. Uh, do you think it was because of uh, all those characters? What, what made Aquaman have such a uh, longevity, do you think? He's the only character like him in the DC universe, right? Like there's obviously Namor, but in, in Marvel, but in the DC universe, there isn't that overlap until, you know, recently where Aquaman is just wet Superman, apparently. (laughs) 
Well, yeah. And then now at the time they didn't, but now they have Aqualad, Aquagirl, Mira, second Aqualad, (laughs) quite a few of them. Um, Now in the sixties, he got his own comic. He was part of the original uh, Justice League of America. Uh, Some interesting uh, tidbits in the, uh, um, he kind of, before we get into it, uh, I don't know if you're you're younger than I am, but uh, Aquaman's reputation Thanks to the 70s Super Friend cartoon, he suffered for quite some time where he was considered the butt of the joke and didn't uh, he was like the Rodney Dangerfield of the DC Universe. He got no respect. In the comics, they updated that, but uh, it really wasn't until Jason Momoa that they really sort of uh, got rid They kind of, he stopped being uh, the butt of everybody's joke. I think Jason Momoa does that for a lot of characters in general. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I, I may stand alone. I think they almost overdid it with... Uh, Jason Momoa a little bit. They 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 went over the top to make him too cool for school. I think just to, <laughs> to have the opposite effect of his Aquaman's old reputation. I would have been all right with him being too cool for school. I think similar to what they did with Wonder Woman, what they did with him is that they just turned everyone into some version of Superman. And so to me, there you know, it creates too much parody. It gets a little too boring because there's not enough to differentiate them. Now, you brought him up earlier, so the big debate, Prince Namor, or Namor, the Submariner, he f- debuted in 1939, so uh, where's your uh, stance on the debate? Is Aquaman a Namor ripoff? I, I, I think it would be hard to argue that he's not, right? Like, you kind of look and you see that parody between the two universes. You know, we've got Superman, you know, DC has Superman, they have Shazam, you, they have Namor, DC has Aquaman. You know, there's always this kind of back and forth here um daredevil batman well uh there's i've heard some arguments actually i shouldn't say i've heard i haven't heard very many arguments until i started doing research for this episode but so our argument said that they basically both had the idea of back then of just basically making superman but underwater i also found out that uh, a lot of people think that there's a story called the merman that appeared in astounding science fiction pulp magazine in 1938 by an L. Sprague de Camp. And uh, a lot of people think that that story was the inspiration for both characters, and, and they might have reached the conclusion both organically without knowledge of the other, but it is there is a two-year gap between <laughs> Namor and Aquaman, so it would be a hard point to argue not to knock Aquaman at all. Harkening back to Halloween for a second, Halloween was written before Friday the 13th, but it didn't get released until after friday the 13th so which one came first kind of they were both created at the same time one got massive popularity that then spawned the popularity of the following not a nitpick but uh, i've heard rumors that uh the, the screenwriter of the first friday the 13th got a lot of his inspiration from halloween but that's uh that's a that's a debate for another uh, podcast <laughs> some interesting facts about aquaman originally he didn't have telepathy he spoke the language of the sea creatures and in their language asked them to help him out that's a great power that's <laughs> like that was that's way better than telepathy between creatures that is just i'm going to talk all the languages of the ocean that's awesome and then years down the road i think it was the uh, peter david aquaman run where they changed it where he had telepathy he didn't order them he actually communicated and asked them to help him out and the fish had a choice in the matter, even though I can't remember ever a story where the fish didn't help. <laughs> so it makes you question how legit that is. 
he was the first superhero to get married in comic books. He actually predates the wedding of Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman. Him and Mara had the first superhero wedding in the history of comic books. Oh, wow. What year was that? Uh, I believe that happened in 1964, a year before the wedding of Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Girl. Because I question him as a husband from the, uh, when we get into it, he's not, a, he's not, I would say, a great husband. No. <laughs> One of the things I would bring up of why he's had trouble over the years with maintaining his own comic book is obviously, like we discussed, some of the bad reputation he got in the 70s. But with the exception of Ocean Master and Black Manta, he didn't have a super strong rogues gallery. And it can be very limited to write stories that always have to take place underwater. But, you know, you might think differently. A lot of people might think differently. Somewhere out there is the world's biggest Aquaman fan who thinks he's the greatest superhero who ever lived. I, w- I haven't gone that far. I mean, I, I do like to be a contrarian every now and then, but I don't think I could go that far. <laughs> I think like most characters with the right writer can be handled well. I mean, I compare him to the Adam, like the Adam's a cool character. I love him, but I mean, how often is shrinking going to really come into play where you won't, you won't save the earth unless you shrink, but we're going to, um, get to. What we're here about, we're talking Aquaman animation. Now, this is actually going to be the first ever time Aquaman appeared in animation. This is a bit of a convoluted history. So back in 1967, Filmation released the Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure. And what it was was a uh, cartoon that had uh, both Superman and Aquaman stories, plus they sprinkled in other characters like the Justice League and whatnot. That was done by Filmation, ran on Saturday mornings on CBS. A year after that, they gave Aquaman his own cartoon called The Adventures of Aquaman. But basically all they did was they took the Aquaman shorts from the Superman Aquaman adventure and then packaged them together. So they literally had no new material. So technically, even though it first aired in 1967, we're going back to 1968 for episode one of The Adventures of Aquaman. Now, did you even know this cartoon existed before you and I talked about doing this episode? I did know that it existed, not not to that big of a degree, but when I look at the the art for it, I know a lot of people make fun of the show, but I instantly got the Big Bang Theory references. You know, once I saw because they they go as the Justice League of America, and I saw that Aquaman on the cover when I was looking at it there, and I'm like, oh, well, that is the Aquaman that they were going for in uh, Big Bang Theory. So, and I'm a big Big Bang Theory fan. <laughs> You, you and my wife both. Um, so like I said, Filmation did this. The, the great late Lou Scheimer had developed the show, produced by Lou Scheimer and Norm Prescott. Filmation, for anybody who doesn't know, you should know, they, they produced all those DC cartoons from the late 60s to the 70s. They did the uh, He-Man cartoon. They had done the Shazam, the Captain Marvel uh, cartoon. Uh, they did a Zorro cartoon. They did a lot of, uh, I think they did the Gilligan's Island cartoon in the 70s. So they they cranked out a lot of cartoons in the 60s all the way to the early 80s. Now, this episode we're going to watch is directed by Hal Sutherland. And there's going to be different segments, um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, two of the segments, which are called uh, Between Two Armies and uh, Rampaging Reptile Man, they were both written by uh, George Cashton who was an actual comic book writer who had written uh, in one of his uh, biggest uh, claim to fame. He's the co-creator of Tommy Tomorrow. So 
That must be one of your, uh, if right after Aquaman, he's number four on your list, I'm going to assume. Yeah, that's, that is, that's number four. How'd you guess? And, um, the third segment menace of the black Manta, uh, was written by Bob Haney, who is also a, uh, comic book creator. He has a lot more credits to his name. He actually co-created black Manta. He co-created metamorpho and he actually co-created the teen Titans as amongst a lot of other DC characters. So it is kind of interesting that, uh, both, uh, comic book writers wrote both of these segments which kind of went away after filmation because in the 70s all the way till probably batman the animated series uh comic book writers didn't work on the super friends or spider-man his amazing friends or the incredible hulk it was just marvel studios that did it surprisingly some of them did work on the comic writers did work on thunder the barbarian but you're probably too young to remember that cartoon a little little too young for that one yeah <laughs> so we're gonna go to the credit where credit is uh do. I'm not going over everybody in the Justice League because it's an Aquaman cartoon. We're going over him and his supporting cast. I already just told you who uh, created Aquaman. Uh, he's voiced by a Marvin Miller, the late uh, Marvin Miller. I, you're going to get sad because pretty much everybody associated with this cartoon is passed on and is no longer with us. He was. Uh, he started out in radio. He did mostly acting, but uh, he was um, did a lot of voice work. Oh, but he appeared on episodes of The Green Hornet, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And uh, the last thing he did was uh, he was the narrator of the television show Police Squad, which I don't know if you're aware of that, but that was the TV show that preceded the Naked Gun movies. Okay. I remember it. I just don't remember it fully. Yeah. And that was the last thing he did before he passed away. Well, the last thing in <laughs> any voice acting he did. Aqualad, who was uh, created by Robert Bernstein and uh, Ramona Friedon. Jerry Dexter did the voice, and he was a uh, pretty much most of his career was voice acting. He's done everything from uh, Scooby Doo to Spider Man, His Amazing Friends, the Flintstones, the Super Friends. What do you think of uh, Teen Sidekicks? There's been a big debate over the years of uh, <laughs> if they're dumb or not. Some people love them. Some people have apathy. Some people outright can't stand them. You know, I've been a fan, but maybe it's because I was an Adam West Batman fan. So I think if done right, sidekicks are cool. I I don't know if I need an Aqualad <laughs> necessarily. Like I don't, but like, I think Batman's not the same without Robin. I feel like that it was done poorly in a couple of DC movies, but had it been done right, I think that would have been a cool addition to that story. Black Manta created by Bob Haney and Nick Cardi. He's actually voiced by the immortal uh, Ted Knight, who uh, everyone knows is uh, Ted Baxter on the Mary Tyler Moore show. He was also uh, the judge in Caddyshack. Uh, he also was the, he's the narrator as well as he narrated, he went on to narrate the first season of the Super Friends as well. So some big names in this. Yeah. Yeah. For their era. Black, for their era. Black Manta um, always, to me, had one of the coolest looks of any supervillain of all time. And I think he's one of the, possibly the first African-American supervillain in DC Comics history, even though I don't think that was revealed until later on, but that might be a claim to fame for that character as well. Mira, the wife of Aquaman, she was created by uh, Jack Miller and Nick Cardi, and uh, Diana Maddox did her voice, which the only other credit I could find was she does a voice of another female later on in the Aquaman cartoon. And finally, Tusky, 
believe it or not, was actually from the comic books, was created by Nick Cardi. You could believe that Tusky would be just another in a long line of these stupid cartoons with the almost intelligent animal. <laughs> but yes, it's their pet walrus that helps them solve undersea crimes. <laughs> you want to hear uh, a good Aquaman joke before we get started? I do. Name a... Uh, you want to know what uh, crime he usually prevents underwater? What? Codnapping. <laughs> I see what you did there. Play on words. I like those. <laughs> see, I'm not just informative. I'm, uh, I got a lot of hilarious jokes as well. So, on that hilarious note, <laughs> Mikey Webb and myself are going to watch The Adventures of Aquaman, Episode 1. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Superman. Joins Aquaman to bring you 60 minutes of super adventure. Special guest stars, secret messages. It's the Superman Aquaman Hour of Adventure. Coming from the farthest reaches of the universe to challenge the worst villains on Earth are the most powerful heroes ever in the Battle of the Superpowers Collection. What's this? The dam's about to blow and take Robin with it? Who'll stop the Joker and Luther? Aquaman! Kenner's new Superpowers Collection figures with power action, each sold separately with its own mini-comic. Aquaman's down! Who can help now? A power ring, a power action punch. Defuse the bomb! Can this madness be stopped in time? You decide. Atlantis has always had a king. Now it needs something more. A hero. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Your brother is about to declare war. We must stop him. Sounds like fun. Let's do it. I'm nobody. But I came to save my own and the people that I love. Miss Cousy. Aquaman. Rated PG-13. Experience it in IMAX December 21st. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking podcast... Aquaman, swift and powerful monarch of the oceans, with ability to summon and command all creatures of the deep. Aquaman, who with his teenage ally, Aqualad, guards and defends all that lives in the seas against the forces of evil. Aquaman, king of the seven seas. And we are back, and we just watched The Adventures of Aquaman, Episode 1. Man, you got to love that, uh, that classic uh, theme song with the narration slash with the music. In general, really well done. I, I, was, a, I was a big fan. Uh, Aquaman, he goes by that trend of the 60s and 70s where all blonde characters still had black eyebrows. So, <laughs> so the first segment, so, is The Menace of Black Manta. Where first thing is, we see Black Manta on his uh, manta-shaped submarine. Right off the bat, he's got a uh, weird, like, humanoid manta ray sidekick. (laughs) Basically, looks like a manta ray with feet. (laughs) With uh, uncomfortably skinny legs (laughs) all the way to the top. Like, it was was weird. And he's going to turn on, you guessed it, the Whale Brain Scrambler. <laughs> at this point, there is a whale with a giant antenna sticking out of its blowhole that <laughs> Black Manta can use to control. Yeah, I mean, how monstrous of a supervillain move is that? I mean, whales are some of the most beautiful creatures of the ocean. 
And he pull, they start right off by pulling on your heartstrings. So you know that Aquaman has to come to the rescue. He can't just let that poor whale go by unaided. That is true. Uh, so Aquaman's got to save the day. We go to Aquaman, Mira, and Aquad. They're all in Tusky. Everyone's riding a seahorse. The fish are telling Aquaman that something is uh, something's coming. All of a sudden, you see the whale is coming full speed. And uh, Aquaman's telepathy just won't work on him. You have to assume it's Manta's technology that's the reason it cannot happen. That was our first shot of talking about the difference between talking to the fish, right? As opposed yeah. to the telepathy. Had he still been able to talk to the fish like we were saying before, <laughs> then, he, then he solves that real quick. But no, the telepathy gets in the way. So uh, the whale comes flying at them all. Uh, Aquaman tells uh, Mara to get out of the way. That, that dizzy Mara, she doesn't listen. <laughs> she gets knocked off her horse and does like a little cannonball spin into a conveniently placed giant clam. Yeah. The, there were times throughout that episode where I'm really confused about if they're in water or not. <laughs> because of, because of the way that they fall, the way that they fight, there's some stuff that. But when she falls in that clam, it was much like she was just falling through the sky. Yeah, like she did. The, the water doesn't slow her down the fall or anything. She lands right in the clam, which shuts traps her within the clam shell. <laughs> then Aquaman does what he does this a lot in the episode, which really was getting on, was sticking in my cry. Kept calling Aqualad tadpole. You need a nickname, you know, like to let them know that they're together. They're friends, you know, all, all people have nicknames for their friends. So, <laughs> I mean, tadpole, you know, like, a like a, he's the man, he's just the lad. Or if we put in these fish terms, tadpole, it, it worked. I, I think it worked. It really brought them together. It sounded like he was talking down to him to me. Well, I mean, he is the lad. He's the, you know. <laughs> There's there's a clear chain of command here. It's Aquaman, then Aqualad, and then Mira is down in this clamshell. <laughs> there's a great shot of them uh, hanging on to the tail of, of the whale as it swims, which can't seem to shake him. And uh, Manta's got the thing going at full power. So he gets a hammer. Uh, is it a hammerhead shark to bite the antenna off the whale so he can ram the antenna on the submarine? <laughs> So then he sends, apparently there's a bunch of these Manta men and he sends them all to attack Aquaman, which I don't know if you noticed, these these Manta men were pretty much <laughs> next to useless in this cartoon. They swam, they got knocked off, they went back, they swim again, you know. Threw some starfish at them that turned into like these buzzsaws, which I thought was ridiculous, but amazing <laughs> at the same time. Well, that's when he starts using the antenna all over the place, right? So he, he turns the starfish into buzz saws. He turns the uh, the seaweed into ropes. Yeah, like, yeah, seaweed wraps him up. And, and then he does a great laugh, which I wanted to imitate, but he has like an electronic thing to his voice, so I, I wouldn't be able to do his laugh justice. But they get out of these seaweed because uh, he has jellyfish poison the seaweed. So... Uh, they escaped the seaweed. Yeah, a little now, uh, fish on fish crime. <laughs> now, the next thing was a little bizarre to me because he builds this giant coral net, but <laughs> suddenly he's going to capture a ship that's like on the surface of the water. Like he, there's 
in the middle of a fight, and Manta's just going to ah, have had enough of this. I'm going to capture a ship with my giant coral net. Well, that's how we bring Aquaman to the rest of the world, right? Like, we're just talking about what's below the surface. And the biggest knock on Aquaman, he's not doing anything to save mankind. So here he comes. That ship would have sank. It was a, it was a giant ship. But no, thankfully, Aquaman comes in and not only saves Atlantis, but he saves humankind as well. So they use the swordfish to cut the uh, that coral net, and they trap them, uh, the manta men in it, who, who are pretty much <laughs> next to useless. Like I said, they don't even barely put up a fight. I like how uh, manta is chasing him, and he crashes the ship, like because they go into uh, like a hard to reach place. So manta crashes the ship trying to get in there. Very Independence Day esque. <laughs> he tries to escape, and uh, Aquaman catches up with him. They have this great stance where they're almost in like an amateur wrestling stance before they uh they start the fight and uh black manta really hits below the belt calls him golden hair yeah it was uh it was nasty <laughs> and i you know luckily aquaman was able to stay composed uh they fight for a few seconds and then he just goes into a whirlpool and just kind of disappears and they're like all right well we took care of that no explanation for the whirlpool. Just a whirlpool develops behind Aquaman, and he dives over Aquaman's head and then into the whirlpool, assuring then, us that he will be back again. Yes. And they start to leave, and then uh, all of a sudden, uh, you hear Mera pounding on the inside of that clam. They like completely forgot about her. This was, to me, the most uncomfortable moment of the entire episode, because it wasn't just, oh, yeah, you did come with Mera, and then you just trapped her below but then aqualad's got a seahorse aquaman's got a seahorse and they're just swimming off without her while she's trying to catch up she even says hey don't forget about me <laughs> I know, they, like, they, they're literally like they're not even looking at her they're just swimming away and she's trying to catch up they, they that was that was uncomfortable that was like uh women are seen but not heard um in the sixties. And I was, I was really uncomfortable at that moment. Well, like they didn't, I don't even know why she's in the cartoon. They did absolutely nothing with her. They, she, they, they just did it to tell women, this was your place. You shouldn't have been out there where men were. So, you know, now you're with us, but try and keep up. Cause we got places to be. This is her husband. And she calls him Aquaman, <laughs> not Arthur, not Orin, <laughs> but Aquaman. She calls her husband Aquaman. <laughs> If we jump from Aquaman to Arthur, that you already had a problem with Aqualad to Tadpole. We can't introduce two different names and keep it all together here. And uh, that was the end of the, the first segment. And then we went into the segment. This kind of bugged me. We went in the segment between two armies, which ends up just being a Justice League cartoon, which... They literally plucked Aquaman from the Aquaman Superman Adventure Hour to give him his own cartoon to then just have a segment with the Justice League. And by the way, you want to guess who the only member of the Justice League who doesn't show up in this cartoon? Aquaman! I mean, there, there is no water on, you know, Mars. <laughs> and this is just a ridiculous... I'm not even going to... Because there's nothing to do to Aquaman. I'm not going to get in depth to this as I am the other two segments. But it's this ridiculous story with these two alien races that are fighting. One's from Mercury and was the other one was from Mars, right? It's either Mercury or, or Mars and Earth. One's from Earth. Because the one, I think Earth is the one that the 
right? Wasn't the ground people on Earth? Well, they crashed on Earth with a drill. I thought they were from another planet. And by the way, the rock people look like they look like giant potatoes, <laughs> what they looked like to me. I thought the rock people were subterranean Earth, and the other one was from like Mercury or Mars. Uh, you're probably right. One was definitely from Mercury. The guys with the yellow suits were from Mercury. Yes. The lineup is Superman, Adam, Flash, Hawkman, and Green Lantern. Flash does nothing, by the way, besides you. No, he really doesn't do anything. He runs fast, but it really doesn't for no reason. By the way, he's got annoyed the hell out of me. He's wearing yellow gloves, which Barry Allen never had a Flash suit with yellow gloves. That drove me nuts the entire episode. Hawkman, like, at one point shoots electricity. Uh, This is a power I never knew Hawkman ever had. (laughs) So Hawkman does that. He also flies in outer space (laughs) fast enough to keep up with Green Lantern and Superman, but then later on needs a jet to fly in space. (laughs) Yes, because later on he gets his pet hawk and he takes his ship to intercept. And there's one ridiculous scene where Adam breaks into the... uh, the spaceship and he's just flipping all the buttons and they just can't catch this half inch tall tall man they're like hey stop that and they try and grab him but they just he's too slippery not moving all that quick either just kind of nope just (laughs) moseying around hitting buttons (laughs) but that's the one thing flash did he ran adam to the location where that ship was parked that that he did (laughs) without him adam doesn't push buttons so yeah i guess that's why he's part of the team they didn't have any, I, I haven't seen them all, but they must have one Justice League episode that Aquaman appeared on. Why did they pick this one? What was great about it was here's your episode one for your new series, and we're going to take him out of a third of the show. <laughs> oh, by the way, Hawkman is also in outer space shirtless as well. I'd like to point out. Very cold up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is before they had the great excuse of nymph metal could do pretty much anything. Because later on, and Jeff Johns, I think, came up with the whole nymph metal kept the Garians warm so that's why it was never odd that they were always flying around shirtless and uh, and even the women were like had like tank tops on so yeah so this is way before that i'm pretty i was sure sure it was jeff johns who came up with that where nymph metal was well of course he came up with all this hey all this stuff about nymph metal that yeah you know it's been around 30 years but uh we forgot to, ma- <laughs> to mention all this Long story short, the two aliens are fighting. They're going to blow up the planet. Green Lantern saves it. Aliens have peace. The end. No Aquaman. <laughs> I'm not going to spend too much more time talking about it. And the guy's getting the shit. No wonder he had such a bad reputation. He gets a shaft in his own cartoon. <laughs> that, that was uncomfortable. I felt bad for him. I found myself feeling bad for Aquaman. So we're going to go back to the segment of the Rampaging Reptile Men. No racism in this episode at all. (laughs) Well, that's up for interpretation. (laughs) (laughs) So there's an Atlantean power station where Aqualad is there. But now it's referred to as not a seahorse, but his sea pony. Is that because he's a kid? He has a smaller one or is Aquaman's a sea pony as well? Well, I'd have to watch more episodes to get... (laughs) <laughs> you know, clarification on that. But that would make sense, right? Tadpole, Aqualad, Sea Pony. That all you're you're really, you're, you're going to die on the hill of Tadpole. Are you? You're going <laughs> to defend that to the end. <laughs> he waves to the guard who, for some reason, is in like a scuba suit. I thought he was an Atlantean, so I don't know why the hell he's wearing that suit. That was very, very confusing to me. Well, no, he's so down there, that power station 
is run by humans. That's why when they come in there, there's an airlock, so there's no water in it. So so that is a human power station, a hydroelectric power station at the bottom of the ocean. Okay, that's going to... Some of my notes were later on. Now I don't need to mention because that that <laughs> I was a little confused. Okay, and right as he waves to Aquaman, he gets uh, punched by the uh, reptile man, who's basically exactly what you picture—a a green man who looks like a lizard with a. They all have sweet Fu Manchu mustaches going on too. I don't know if you <laughs> noticed that. Very, um, very kung fu era sweet mustaches right around in the era in which we're we just got done with a korean war and we're heading into a vietnam war and now we've got these ultra asian uh reptiles it was maybe i'm looking too much into it but it was it was uncomfortable maybe you're just you know you're, you're seeing it you're being cynical looking through the, the modern lens you know maybe that's not what the intention was at all definitely a fu manchu uh Stash, there's no denying that. I can't deny that at all. They kidnap Aqualad, stopping him from calling Aquaman. But Tusky is going to go save the day. He's going to go and find Aquaman to help him out. I brought this up in previous episodes. I cannot stand the cartoon trope of the the dumb sidekick, the talking dog, the 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 pet that is almost human but not quite, like... That has gone on since the 60s all the way to the <laughs> to the damn 21st century. Nothing against Tusky. I mean, you can't fault the, a walrus sidekick, but... And he's kind of a pioneer. He was ahead of his time, if you think about it. <laughs> there weren't that many back in 1967. Wait, does that mean you're anti-Scooby-Doo? No, no, I do like Scooby-Doo, but I think he popularized it where after Scooby-Doo, it just went absolutely nuts. Jabberjaw and... Uh, was it Goober and the Ghost Chasers, uh, uh, Speed Buggy, uh, Snarf from the Thundercats, Orca from He-Man and the Mass of the Universe, Slimer, Conan cartoon had a sidekick. I think Needle was his name, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, uh, there's probably more that I'm not I'm not thinking of now. Hot Dog from the Archies, like uh, there there there's a lot. Well, I mean, that's free, that's merchandising. Every time you can in, introduce one of those sidekick characters, kids got to have the, the full set. Yeah, I assume the logic was always that that's, that's the one, the, the wacky character the, the kids are going to love and they're all going to buy that, that particular toy. It's the R2, it's the BB-8. Yeah. <laughs> this is also kind of, <laughs> I don't know if it's stuck in my craw, but the narrator says that here in Aquaman's secret headquarters why does aquaman the king of atlantis need a secret headquarters you know what i didn't even um put that together as i was looking at it because i was like oh that's it's kind of cool he's got his own bat cave but he doesn't really need it he's the king of atlantis and if it was headquarters i would have been fine or even the aqua cave or something but secret headquarters why does he need Everybody knows who he is. There's nobody in Atlantis who doesn't know Arthur Curry is Aquaman. There's no secret there. Tusky wants Aquaman to follow him, which he does. And you find out that the they are going to want to take out the Atlantean hydro was a hydroelectric power plant. That's what it was, correct? Yep. He sneaks in. They're hiding from Aquaman, and then 
Aqualad tells him to, to look out, and he tries to shoot the the reptiles. For some reason, have can shoot laser blasts out of their hands. Everybody in the in these shows can shoot laser blasts out of their hands. He missed and blew a hole in the in the in the side of the building, which they had to plug. Which at the time I was so annoyed by that, why they had to do it. But now that you've explained to me that those were humans running that, that it wasn't filled with water. Now it makes a little more sense. I did uh, like that they had your somebody's coffee table in there. Like it is clearly <laughs> a science station, and they just threw like your grandmother's coffee table comes out of nowhere. Well, you know, you're you're down there long hours. You get you, you get a lot of breaks. You know, they play cards and entertain themselves. So they end up getting a sea turtle with his telepathy to come and plug up the hole. We never found out how they did it permanently, but Aqualad got left behind to take care of it. So we just assumed that Aqualad, Aqualad, uh, relieved the sea turtle and fixed that hole. Well, he does tell him. He goes, "You have to you have to contact the the people who are going to help, like the the humans or whatever. Tell them to come fix this." So, yeah, we just assume that happens off camera. Aquaman, he falls the reptile men into an underground cavern, which uh, leads into an air pocket of a subterranean city under. So not only is Atlantis a city in the ocean, there's a reptilian city in the ocean, in a cavern, under the ocean, in an air pocket. Uh, You know what? I was okay with it. Do you think these are the same reptiles from the Aquaman live action movie? Or do you think that's just a, a completely different thing? Those are more like. Actually, that's actually exactly what I thought when I saw the, um, that big hole is I'm like, wow, this is, this looks just like the Aquaman movie. Like, it, so I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if there was like somebody, right. Somebody who goes, you know what? I want, this is my Easter egg. This is what I want to do. That that's what you thought. This looks just like the Aquaman movie. You're like, 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 like James Wan, like took it right from the cartoon. That's how accurate his film was. It, not just like in that way, but like <laughs> when I, it's funny that you mentioned it. Cause as soon as you said it, it was the first thing that I said while watching it was like, that is the movie right there in spirit. Anyway, we'll go, we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. They, uh, net Aquaman. I think they said it was a steel net, if I remember correctly. Yep. Why they specifically had to mention that, I, I you know, guess as good as mine. But they end up tying uh, Aquaman to a rock. And this is interesting because I had forgotten about this. In the old days, Aquaman could only spend an hour outside of water or he would die. He, um, so they're going to they're gonna make him. That got dropped later on in the comics, I think in the 90s, maybe even the 80s. But I completely forgotten that used to be a thing with him where he had to be, he could only be out of water for an hour. So they're going to keep him out of the water and have him die at this point. Which was my favorite part of the episode, was that little tidbit. Uh, I've never been, well, was weird with, with Namor. Namor was not full-blooded Atlantean, so he could be out of the water. But I think that's the same with Aquaman too, because he's, they're both half Atlantean, so I think when the Atlanteans actually leave, they have to be in a big scuba suit with water, hence like they were in the movie as well when they attacked him in that, that city in Italy, remember? Yep. But doesn't Ocean Master, he, he, he comes out of the water as well, so I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. <laughs> well, I just think like what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode here was that 
what you really had in the 60s was Aquaman as his own superhero. Not sharing the similar powers with Wonder Woman or Superman or anyone else. He was the king of Atlantis. His weakness was being out of the water. His strengths were that he could communicate with ocean life. I mean, if like the superhero or not, at least it's the superhero stood on its own. I really like that part of the episode here because it puts him in real peril. That's true. They had to come up with something uh, to, uh, you know, the, 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 the hero sometimes has to have an actual, you know, some stakes. Um, he, he sends his seahorse or sea pony to get Aqualad for help. He does get there in the nick of time and gets Aquaman back in the water just minutes before the hour is up. This was kind of weird because they don't leave. They come back up and then all of a sudden there's all the reptile men, which begs the question, why did they just tie him to a rock and walk away where anybody could come and save him? Like, I thought they went to go attack Atlantis or something, but the minute Aqualad saves him, boom, there they all are. Like, what are you doing here? It's We, we really thought this was over. We were watching from afar. We were going to watch you die. <laughs> but we were too far when Aqualad came to get there and stop it from happening. As we get into this next scene, to the show's credit, for everything that the Manta fight lacked, I felt like this scene was great. I agree. I was going to actually say that. He calls all these different fish to help him fight. Uh, at one point, he like rides a shark and like punches the reptile man as he goes by. They use an octopus to to give him a cover of darkness with the ink. Um, it was, uh, that was a better, yeah, that was much better for scene than the, uh, the letdown of the, the big fight between Manta and Aquaman. They, uh, get out of there and they, uh, call on two giant whales who put two boulders in front of the cavern. So they've sealed off that reptile city. So they will not be able to escape and attack Atlantis. They've murdered those reptiles. That's what I was kind of wondering. I, I, Aquaman is just presuming, I guess, that their food supply comes from within the cavern and not they have to leave the ocean <laughs> and die. So I guess in theory, he could have technically been condemning a whole species to death. That's what I, that was the first thing that popped in my head. I'm like, that, that tunnel didn't just exist to kidnap Aquaman. That was their access to the rest of the world and food. And so... Yeah, he closed them off and be like, well, they're dead now. <laughs> and then him and Aqualad and Tusky just uh, kind of swim off into the sunset. Like, problem solved, all done. Doesn't really seem like a fair punishment. What They destroy a hydroelectric station and he condemns them all to death. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely how it came off. And there you have the adventures of Aquaman Episode one, really kind of weird experience because we're, we're watching a cartoon that isn't really new material. It's a year old cartoon that they repackaged as Aquaman with three segments, but at the same time included a Justice League segment without Aquaman, which begs the question, why are you giving Aquaman his own cartoon if you're going to show cartoons that aren't Aquaman? Yeah, it was a, it was a weird there's a weird feel to it. and that. But then I think to the cartoons of my childhood, you know, Ren and Stimpy would go an entire third of an episode without Ren or Stimpy in it. 
But I mean, to me, it'd be like, you know, Disney Plus does like the Hawkeye show. And then like the first episode, Hawkeye doesn't show up. <laughs> it's an Avengers story. Like, I just think that was kind of a weird. Uh, I didn't look at the episode list, but I think there's like 36 episodes. There must be one where Aquaman is part of the Justice League. Sounds like we got to start watching. I mean, there was enough in that episode to bring you back for another one. Yeah, that definitely uh, is the case. And uh, to this date, it's the only ongoing Aquaman cartoon that's uh, ever existed. He's never gotten his own cartoon. He's been in... Oh, wait a minute. I There's some stupid HBO Max Aquaman goofy in the style of Rick and Morty cartoon that just came out. I can't think of the name of it. But uh, up until then, this was the only solo Aquaman cartoon that ever existed. Now, my question is, because SpongeBob lives in the ocean, are Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy Batman and Robin, or are they Aquaman and Aqualad? Is that a real question? Are you legit asking me that? Um, I'm not- Clearly, Aquaman and Aqualad, they're wearing their almost exact costumes. <laughs> it's the same color scheme. It's green and orange and red and blue. Like They're literally wearing Aquaman and Aqualad's Costume, of course, they're supposed to be them. I mean, they borrowed some elements from Batman and Robin, yes, but well, that's Man. what I'm saying. Like, because in the in the in the world of being at sea, right? So, in yes. under the sea is like their world. So, Batman and Robin would be more equal to like I understand the costumes, but like in terms of those characters to to SpongeBob, would those SpongeBob characters be more similar to Batman and Robin? Well, his powers are borrowed more from. Aquaman and Aqualad, but they're kind of dynamic and a lot of the, like the aqua car and stuff is more borrowed from old Batman and Robin. The more baffling question I have is they're humans. Yet in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, when he got out of the water, he, standing next to David Hasselhoff, he's like an inch tall. So are Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy like miniature humans? Like that part never doesn't really add up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never thought about it that far, but yeah, that's a, uh, yeah, maybe they are, maybe it was a Justice League episode crossover where Adam never leaves Atlantis. But um, the Aquaman cartoon is very, if you're familiar with filmation, it's very filmation style. And if you're familiar with especially 60s, late 60s cartoons, it very much fits that mold when you see it, you're going to automatically think that error. And I will say this, it's much better than a majority of those uh, Marvel uh, cartoons that came out that pretty much weren't even animation, that they just like lifted pages from the legit comic book. So they were better than them. And I think they predated the Fantastic Four cartoon, which wasn't that bad, but I think that this actually predated that by a year. I don't think this was that bad at all. I actually was like, what am I getting myself into? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an Aquaman fan, but sometimes when they, when you do that stuff, I'm like, Oh, you know, I want to, I'm going to look back at some of this stuff. And it was, that was really well done in terms of making him his own, his own superhero. And I think it's where some of the superhero movies miss now. I mean, why to me, why is Hawkeye such an, because you just mentioned why is he such a popular character because he's actually got weaknesses. He's not just an extension of some other su- overly powered superhero. 
more relatable. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, if, if Aquaman, if Jason Momoa and Superman are not that different from Wonder Woman, then why do I need to see a Justice League movie? I'm, I'm kind of like that. I've been complaining nonstop that all the Justice League in the Snyderverse are just as fast as the Flash. Why do we even need the Flash? Wonder Woman and Superman are just as fast as he is. Barry Allen is just fast. So if everyone's just as fast, he's really a useless superhero because he's not even that good of a detective because he's got the greatest detective on the planet Earth because Batman took that from him. So Barry Allen has no uses. He's just faster than most other people but the other <laughs> everyone else can do it just as well so on that note we're going over to our spectrometer anyone new to the show uh spectrometers where we rank what we saw four spectros being absolute perfection zero being dog crap mikey webb how are you gonna rank Episode one of the adventures of Aquaman. Uh, I'm going to go three of four. Um, it would have been four out of four had we not lost Aquaman for an entire third of the show. And then the, uh, the Fu Manchu on the lizards made me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, it's hard for me to say, like, I want to give this a higher ranking. Uh, Cause I love that. The costumes are accurate. I like that. Even though it's goofy, they embrace the underwater aspect of it. I love that Black Manta's there. The Justice League, you know, I was annoyed by that segment. Or all the Justice League. I'm going to go. Uh, one of the negatives I have to mention is I like the animation style and the music. I like it. Some people might find it a dated. I'll admit it's not for everyone and it doesn't stand up to today's animation, but I enjoy it. Uh, the treatment of mirror I found borderline <laughs> appalling. Like I'd almost rather she not be in the <laughs> episode <laughs> than be completely useless and pretty much <laughs> treated like a second class citizen. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was definitely uncomfortable. In if it stood out more from that era in terms of how they kind of address women's roles, there's a reason that right around that era, the the feminine mystique is written. Right around that era is when women are going to start being like, hey, I, we don't just want to, you know, live to support men. I'm going to go two and a half. Two and uh, a half. I, I enjoyed it. I thought I, I, I like uh, it has a lot of charm, a lot of heart. It's very comic-y, which I like. I like the animation and the music. I like it's pretty comic book accurate. The, Aqu the whole segment without Aquaman and... <laughs> Mira and some of the lazy writing, I'm going to lower it to two and a half. If I'm going to rank it on just, <laughs> I, I probably enjoyed it. All right, how can I put this? Probably be higher if I'm going purely on my enjoyment, but I'm trying to, I try to be objective on what I think of the cartoon as a whole. So with that, I'm going to go two and a half. That's fair. I can, I can, I can go with two and a half, but I'm, I'm going to say at three because I just think it's the best thing that, Aquaman's done is be his own superhero. So, what do you think out there? Did you like it better than Mikey Webb and myself? Did you like it less? It's all right. I'm all about different opinions. That's why I have a guest every week. Want to hear from you? Go to my Twitter, or my Facebook, and uh, tell us what you thought of Aquaman, The Adventures of Aquaman, Episode One. You can find me at Matt Spectro on Twitter and follow me while you're there. And you can find me on Facebook at Matt Spectro through the multiverse. And give me your comments. Tell me what you think about it. We always want to hear from you. Mikey Webb, the kid. 
2022 discovers Aquaman, the adventures of Aquaman, they're going to enjoy it. Uh, absolutely. I mean, get, in fact, watch more than one episode and let us know when you find the justice league cut in that has Aquaman in it. Um, I would say for the most part, yes, except for some fans might be like, who's this clown? Like, he doesn't look anything like Jason Momoa. Like, <laughs> So some of the younger audience might have that reaction to it. But I think for the most part, they would enjoy the adventures of Aquaman. I want to thank you, Mikey Webb, for coming back. Uh, it's been a while, so it's good to have you back in the show talking about Aquaman himself. Has this uh, reinforced your love in the character? It's reinforced my love of the root of the character, but it does not reinforce my love of the current character. <laughs> Do you have a problem with the, uh, the, either the current comic version or the, the film version of Aquaman? It's just, they've got to do something where they stop having so much parody. It's really, it hurts the enjoyment because every character is the same, just in a different location. My only real complaint is awesome is using the movie. I want more of black Manta. I want black Manta to be the main villain. He was awesome in the first movie, but yeah, there should have been more of him or, or they should have left him out and saved him to get his own movie the second time around. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they just scratched the surface with Black Manta in that first one because you had that whole other story. So you you kind of took care of him, you put him to the side, but really the second movie should have had him roaring back. Well, we'll see. Um, you know, he's not going to be roaring back. Probably Amber Heard. But... Um, she's uh, she's in it. As awkward as that's been. Um, Mikey Webb, it's uh, like I said, thank you for joining us. Um. This is always part of the show where, well, you're, you're leaving a pretty simple life these days, but this is the free plug part of the show. Do you have anything you want to plug? No, uh, I've got a pretty chill lifestyle now. I'm out of the professional wrestling business for the most part. So no plugs other than I think the last one I had was just, you know, we got on here. We, we had a good time talking about comics, something that brings joy to both our lives. I think the, uh, the whole idea is that we all continue to find opportunities to be positive to one another and, you know, bring joy to each other's lives and not um, go out of your way to be a tool. <laughs> I think we can all agree with that. I want to thank you all for joining us. And like I said, if you could follow me on social media, I appreciate it and give me your two cents with uh, ideas or what you'd like to hear and your thoughts on the show and Aquaman in general. If you could uh, smash the subscribe button on my podcast, I'd appreciate it. Give me a five-star review if possible. Share the podcast I really appreciate it. But I want to thank Mikey Webb. Hopefully he'll come back. I want to thank you all for joining us. Until next week, we'll see you again on another episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Excelsior!